Well, boys, looks like you started the fun without me. You're all sick. Every last one of you. We're going to need a bigger gun. What's the matter? You scared of things that go boom? I keep going to pull up notes like there's any notes. There's no notes. There's both a lot of and no notes. That's what I want to hear from you at the end of this episode. No notes. No notes. Excellent. My name is Eric. We've made it to the end of year 14. I am I'm surprised and delighted to be joined by Michael Kester. I, uh, I'm surprised and delighted by your like congratulatory we've made it because I feel like there's, <laughs> there's another edge to that sword. Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. Well, which is, which is that here we are at the precipice of, of year 14. Dangling off the edge of the cliff. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know that, that sounds like a shitty conversation to have tonight. I don't want to have that conversation right now because we're, you're right. We're in celebration of another another map around the sun with with double feature 14 years yeah like the longest thing i've ever done in my life there's so much that i want to talk to you about and you know we got i haven't seen your face in a minute it's good to see your face can i just tell you that yeah i'm gonna just uh, just continue to just be barely uh just bare and emotional i guess uh so yes hello michael custer good to see you good to hear from you Good that you also made it through year 14. I was worried about you. <laughs> yeah, so we're here to do the show at the end of the year and uh, and talk about this year that we went through. You know, usually on these shows, I'm going to give you my very last attempt, since we don't even have a log line today, I'm going to give you my very last attempt to do a good top of the show. Okay. And then it'll just be chaos for probably the rest of our lives, I think, think that's about the temperature yeah but definitely the rest of the show lines up so here's what we usually do on these shows michael we do a little best movies of the year yep best pairs of the year yep delightful surprises uh-huh on earlier years we have done pair we fucked up the most right which you know i think we dropped it because it seemed a little negative but now that i say it it sounds also uh delightful and funny yeah, we've also done one of the things that I've always thought was exciting is uh, um, things we were wrong about. Yes, you know, reaching back fifty-two weeks into the past and being like, you know, actually, we maybe weren't right about this. Here's something we we're wrong about: libertarianism. No, no, sorry, wrong. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, uh, so these are things we've talked about before, and I think we can still talk about some of the best pairs. Um, we can still talk about maybe some, some things we're wrong about. I have the schedule in front of me. Mm -hmm. Uh, we can look at this and go back through this. And also I want to hit on the Killapaloozas and maybe even just, yeah, we don't always do this on the year end, but let's touch on the journey this year because it's, uh, it's now been so much time, uh, just due to my, um, terrible mishandling of the entire show that maybe we have further things to reflect on. Mm -hmm. I also have a couple just delightful surprises for you while that's the, the theme of the evening. Okay. I'm just feeling, uh, I'm feeling very positive that, look, it's the, 
the end of the year, we haven't lost all the Patreons. That's very nice, patreon.com forward slash double feature. And I know we often discuss the cliff. I think we should talk a little bit about what's happening next time. Okay. As much as that's even possible, we'll just kind of open up that conversation. We can talk about it. We can talk as much or as little as you want about the show and the plan or lack thereof for what the fuck to do now. Can we start, though, with uh-huh. the biggest fuck-up of the entire history of our show? Oh, yeah. No, that's a good one. It's funny because I forgot about it again. Um, probably would have gone for round three if you weren't bringing it up right now. Yeah, well... <laughs> okay, so um, way back in the in the heyday of our financial solvency, Double Feature was doing additional content episodes. And during these episodes, we would do a number of movies... That, that often exceeded two. Mm. And we would talk about greater themes. A lot of these were like, it's like full programming, full audience-related programming. If this sounds exciting to you, <laughs> you're not alone because they were some of the more fun shows to even do. Well, and also before you talk about even the AC, I think one thing that might escape people if they don't hear all the episodes or what the fuck has even happened to our show after today but uh, we have these like rigid fucking self-imposed rules for no reason. Yeah. And, you know, we're, yeah. we're positive about the movies. That's a good rule. Yep. We only cover the movies one time. Don't know why that's a rule, yep. but it is. Yeah. We have this strange new rule we've started to impose, which is like, hey, stop picking movies from the last year. Right. Just stop. Yeah. And so those don't go on the show. So there's... You know, so these are some of the kind of guidelines. I thought that was important to lay that down there. And to and to to be to be to just take that one step further to again just hammer home how fucking dumb we are. The that that second rule you mentioned about not doing a movie more than once has has on a number of occasions absolutely just torpedoed some of our best options for Killapaloozas because we did like one movie at a music box massacre and now we can't do that Killapalooza. Yes. Or yes. we did, you know, we did a we did one movie from a that ended up being a series and it was from before we really were doing Killapaloozas as it were. So anyway, we're pretty adamant about it. That said, we did the vanishing two times. We've done we've done Sporloose. <laughs> there it is. Twice, uh, we did it as additional content, and then it was uh, it was a listener pick that we just plopped on the show, and that's not the worst part. Doing two, doing the same movie two times, like you mentioned, that is a self imposed rule, and if we break it, it is very unlikely anybody's going to call us out. I'll tell you why it's a problem. We didn't realize it. We watched a whole fucking movie that we had already watched and already recorded a show about with each other. The two people present on this podcast are the two people who did it the first time. Then we put it on. Then we had a conversation. And uh, the real unfortunate part is we didn't really have a different conversation. We, we kind of <laughs> just like had... This is a good. We said the same shit. I mean, in so some you're, ways, you're talking it's, about it's, this year when we did swimming pool and the vanishing. Yeah, because we'd already done it on an AC, and it was it was an AC that was only like four years ago or five years ago or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. And yeah. and on top of that, I really wanted to do the vanishing because I've always wanted to see the vanishing, and as you know, I've never seen it before. Uh, so 
Right. Uh, that's why we put it on with swimming pool. So this is like a, unbelievable a quintuple fuck up. So one, not only have I already seen The Vanishing when I thought I hadn't, and you, by the way. Mm-hmm. I was there. And not only did we put it, we scheduled it on the show, even though we've already covered it. Uh-huh. And not only did we record the fucking show, not go away. You know, I, I would have thought if- You'd start it, the if, movie. If and in two like, years we this. cover the act of killing, I would imagine I would turn it on and be like, oh, fuck, the act of killing. Yeah. Because The Vanishing is not a bad movie. No. It's, uh, you know, quite the opposite. It had a profound effect on me as if- yeah. Twice. I was having that for the first fucking <laughs> That was the yeah. crazy part. It's like, it yeah. kind of ruined my day, to be honest. Yeah. I was like walking around in, in my head all day yeah. because of the vanishing. And it, this had already happened to me just five years ago. So we came on the show and we recorded a show and neither one of us, you got two shots here. Yeah. Neither myself or you went, damn, you know, we've already done this. Both of us came on and we're just like, yeah, right. first time seeing this for sure. <laughs> so if that wasn't all as bad as humanly possible, somebody emailed us to tell us this happened. Yeah. We got through the whole thing and I fucking mixed the show. Yeah. The whole thing. So here's what I've been dying to ask you. We didn't talk about it on the show when it happened. I wanted to save it to the year end because I want to know. Now, you know, I took Ativan for some time. Uh-huh. My memory is very bad. Yeah. Uh, as a result of it, it started to eat part of my brain and I've been working for years to like fix that. Uh-huh. Uh, what's your fucking excuse for yeah. watching The Vanishing two times and saying nothing? I don't know. The only thing I can think of is is that so much of my life has changed in the last five years that it didn't, it's like I was watching it as a different person. You know what I mean? Sure. Yes. It, but no, but, but, and let me be fair, because that sounds like a really good excuse. I just did a really good job like bobbing uh-huh. out of, You're a out pod of that person. line of That's fire. That's what, what you've just announced. But unfortunately- that doesn't hold any water because as previously mentioned, we had the exact same conversation. So it actually just like, it was still, it still reached me the same way. I don't know. We're consistent at least. I have no idea. I mean, maybe part of, maybe part of, I don't know. There was like maybe some lingering familiarity that I thought was like cool about the movie. Oh man, this is like cool because it feels like something you've seen before, but you don't, I don't remember how it ends or something. Crazy. And we watch, I mean, we watch so many movies. We did, um, this was five years ago was when we were, we were still doing like 12 movie Killapaloozas. Yes. Remember? Yes. So like back then, you know, for an, for an additional content episode, you know, that could have been, that was probably at least four movies, you know? And so it may have blended with some other, I don't have a good excuse. I don't have one. Unfortunately. Yeah, I don't have a good excuse for you either. I wish I could explore this further, but I think it, it's lost with your... It's just year 15. Let's just do year one again. I was going to surprise you with this, but all of year 14 is exactly the same as year three. I didn't change a single oh. thing. And I, that's not true. Don't, don't go. If you want to hear year three, it's on the Patreon. Uh, you can go back. That this is also something Charles wanted us to tell people about. He wanted us to to plug our extensive 
library, he says we don't do that enough. Oh, cool. So as an executive producer of the show, I feel mandated. There's like 10,000 yeah. episodes. Yeah, it's crazy. On the Patreon. Yeah. Very well thought out, not flying by the seat of our pants. And if you prefer well and thought out, maybe check out that Patreon. Anyways, back to this rambling. Can I ask you about another non sequitur? Yeah. I'm going to dive deep in the... Hit me. For all the people who have ever clamored for uh, raw and edited shows, when did you become a fucking vegan? When did that happen? Oh, How I did I I'm miss not that? Not vegan. Not vegan. Not vegan. What's, what's going on over here? Well, you said you stopped eating meat. What's... Vegetarian, please. Oh, so I've only got you halfway. Yeah, but there's... Tell me about this. What happened? Um, well, so you'll remember... Um, do you remember a while ago? I feel like we, I don't remember what show, but we had some conversation about you know being a whiny soy boy, and I, I think that's every uh, like yeah every third episode. But I I said on that episode that like I am aware personally that at on a long enough timeline I will not eat meat because it's the right decision. You know what I mean? Yes. And I'm not sure if this is still the case with you because. Uh, we don't really talk about it too much, but like I'm in a place that I know you once were in where like I still don't really care about like the individual lives of the chickens or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't, that doesn't, I don't give a shit, but I do give a shit about the general climate, literal climate of the planet. And I know that the meat industry is like a big part of why that's a problem. It's also a big part of like why food famine is a problem. It's just, with all these like lingering, you know, there's, there's like 85 different apocalypses lined up on the horizon. Yes. And while I personally have the power to impact exactly zero of them, I feel like I can at least try to impact a big chunk of them just by not eating meat anymore. So anyway, that's not, so what, what happened is uh, another thing I, I've, I've been losing a bunch of weight. I noticed, I thought maybe it was the mullet though. Mullet helped. That was weight itself. I got a bunch of hair off. Yes. But I've been losing a bunch of weight and then I was like sort of like in that mode. I was like, well, what if I cut meat? Maybe it'll like make this diet process easier. So I started June meatless, right? Mm -hmm. And then I got to the end of June and it was supposed to be like, okay, turn the meat back on and I just didn't want it. That was it. I yeah. just was like, who cares? It's it's actually not that big of a deal. It's not a big part of... But I don't give a fuck about the animals yet. So that will come later, I assume. Yeah, all this stuff sneaks up on you whether you want it to or not. It's very... Yeah. Well, look, this has all been a very uh, lengthy segue to cockfighter and a pigeon sat on a branch reflecting on existence. <laughs> Because I wanted to plug this in here as uh, an early example of, uh, I guess, an unexpected, I don't know that I want to call this a best pair. Mm -hmm. But I was looking back on our schedule as we were setting up to do this. And again, I'm just going to keep like mea culpaing on mm -hmm. the fucking mixing and posting the show and trying to get this under control again. But uh, it's been a million years since we recorded Cockfighter and a Pigeon Set on a Branch. Mm -hmm. And I totally fucking forgot that, well, really, that, that, that a, a Pigeon Set on a Branch reflecting on existence existed. I knew that was going to be like one of your picks. Just super 
unexpected. I mean, what? how do you even know what to expect, right? Right. I guess what was most unexpected about that particular movie is the trailer that I had seen for that, what really struck me about it was montaging through images from that movie. Mm-hmm. And this just the sort of like stills of it. You know, you could flip through five or six stills and it just has a look about it. It's sort of, um, it's shot like kind of very wide and straight on and, you know, looks like a series of, um, not to, to use my favorite overused metaphor, but like a Renaissance paintings or something, you know, right. these choreographed. So I wanted to see it to know what it really was. And then when you sit and watch it, it kind of delivers on, I mean, it very much delivers on that series of like, you're looking around the frame, watching these people have these weird little interactions. I just didn't know something like this movie existed. Right. That there were movies like this out there. And uh, that was a theme of the whole year for me is finding, you know, finding parts of cinema I didn't know existed. I mean, to me, like I'm going through looking at these and I don't have, maybe this is because we did a bad job or maybe there's a myriad of reasons. I don't see any pairs that are coming and sticking out like, holy shit, what a great pair of movies together i mean like the Mm -hmm. shows were good like would you rather and ready or not was just like that was like a great time Mm -hmm. right (laughs) but i feel like what we ended up doing a lot more of than we had done in the past is really exploring corners of cinema that we had previously not i'm looking at like uh when we did pather panchali uh which is like just a a place we had never gone that was actually a cool pair i like that pair you know talking about the different levels of being poor. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. My favorite movie of the entire... Um, I shouldn't say that, but one of my favorite movies of the entire year, like a movie that like shot to the my, my flick chart top 20, uh-huh. proverbially, was uh, Vampire's Kiss. Oh, yeah. Why is that? As, as time goes on, as I see unbearable weight of massive talent, like... There is something about Nicolas Cage and I feel like I feel like the as time goes on and as the public starts to just view him as like this out of the box sort of wild card mm. even he is unable to like perform at a level where he's doing that naturally. I think I think even Nicolas Cage is getting to the point, and I think that's sort of what he was doing in that movie this year, is like Nicolas Cage is getting to the point where he can't perform without just being Nicolas Cage doing a thing. Mm-hmm. And so watching Vampire's Kiss before he was Nicolas Cage doing a thing, and he was just doing a thing, 9.5 out of 10 nuts in that movie. Yeah. That is one of the movies that we saw this year that is like a movie that I would go see if they were to screen it at the Roxy, right? Yeah. That's sort of like my barometer now in 2022 is like, what's the movie that when they do a repertory screening, I would go back to? I either want to see something from this year or something that I will want to see a hundred times because I feel like the last three years have created like such a, a liminal divide that anything from 2007 may as well have been made on another planet. Ah, see, now you're getting into the meat. Now you're getting into the 
the bits that I wanted to hear about. So we have divined out perhaps a theme of the year. Yeah. And exploring these kind of like, um, I mean, for me, it's pockets of cinema I didn't know existed, but it sounds like for both of us, we really look at the schedule and see we were reaching for things because we, not because we had, oh, this is a perfect pair, but because we were exploring, because we were out looking for um, right for that that new sensation, and so that's an interesting theme. But I also want to stick on this idea. Now you've drawn a line in the sand on kind of like pre-pandemic cinema. Yeah, I also in my life find myself basically only going to repertory cinema and then whatever you know whatever i have a membership and can see for free yeah on uh basically movies i've prepaid for you know throughout the year yeah where does this line come from for you like why do you think that's happened where where why have you created i mean i know why it happened covid but yeah the, I the mean, mental drawing of the line for you i'm interested in that i just feel like i feel like i feel like the the humans who survived the pandemic and who the americans who survived the previous presidency and are surviving the current you know all these all the things that millennials complain about the things that we have survived and and all the things that the planet has managed to survive in these like ongoing apocalypses over and over and over it's just so interesting to me because I, I can't watch a movie like um, the first one that came to mind actually was Frailty, but I think Frailty is a bad example. I can't watch a movie like The Phantom Thread mm-hmm. and be like, oh yeah, these people these people are making this movie from the place that I'm in, you know. Yeah. And and it's not it's not to say that Phantom Thread isn't a masterpiece because that's not the conversation. It's just that like the planet that that movie is made on is not my planet. To me, it feels it feels similar to watching a movie like Pather Panchali, where I'm like, okay, I mean, yeah, I see what you're saying. I didn't grow up in Imperial India, yeah, but yeah, my my modern feeling on it is that we are in an age of content. It's a very cynical view that you know movies are feeling very disposable to me. And if they are, you know, that's kind of the beginning and end of that conversation. There's not really much to, yeah. maybe we're in an era of cheap disposable movies, maybe. But if we're not, you know, I think about how are we going to view this when we look back in 20 years and what are we going to think about these movies, That especially the ones, you know, just sitting here now, the ones that came out the last two or three years. Is there a, you know, if there is a way to kind of view these with a future mindset, I don't know. You know, I, I look back at years from the past, 2017, 2018, years that I remember thinking at the end of the year were, oh, this isn't, you know, a great year for movies. And now I look back and just go, man, we didn't know how good we had it. And that happens so well. That's every time you look back on any, you look back on an era of music or whatever, like nobody knew at the moment right. how much. And, you know, that could very well be now. I think what's really interesting about that, though, is you actually hit on something that I've been thinking a lot about. Um, and I don't really want to get into it today because it's not about year 14. But I think that part of what has turned the burner down on old cinema for me 
is how good movies have been this year. Oh, that's interesting. It's the first time I can remember in maybe my life where I've been going to the theaters and seeing like killer flick after killer flick after killer. I'm seeing. So you're really optimistic about what's coming out now. Yeah. And it makes me, I mean, like, so like, this is a whole conversation that I've been meaning to have with you and I'm not having it here, but maybe this is something we can tease for, for what we're doing next year. But like, I'm even like hesitant to admit it on the show right now. Like the best movie I've seen in 2020, I've seen like a bunch of like almost perfect movies this year, like mm. 10, 10 almost perfect movies. So it's, it actually sounds like we're in very different places about movies. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's well, good that's that right. you're very optimistic about that. I think that's, yeah, that's a place I'd like to be. So if we wanted to look back on some of these, Movies, and I am going to ask you about more themes of the year. Mm -hmm. But if we wanted to look back on some of these movies, what did you see this year that really surprised you? Number one is Spice World. Surprised the shit out of me. But <laughs> I mean, there's there's a, there's a lot. There's a lot. All right, that but hold on. If you're just going to throw out Spice World, why Spice World? When I because it came out in my lifetime, and I like completely dodged it because I felt like it was vapid trash. Um, and so this is sort of, this actually makes my point. Spice World may have been vapid trash if I had seen it at any point before last week. I think the fact that I watched it in 2022 in this climate post pandemic, I'm able to see Spice World in a way that I wouldn't have been able to. Yeah. Because there's just like so much joy in Spice World and there's like such a phenomenon and like there's all of this like unity and all of these things that are just like good. There's just like a purity to it that I wouldn't have cared about. It wouldn't have been interesting to me. So Spice World definitely. Rango, incredible surprise for a movie I had not seen. Uh, definitely American Friend is a big one for me this oh, year. Oh, really? What about American movies? Friend? Rango, I get for you, yeah. uh, 100%. I think you'll listen to that <laughs> show. And it's it's pretty obvious that it's just like, oh. Yeah. But American Friends, interesting. That's another movie that is just like so, pers it's like a personal movie and it deal it's two of like the greatest actors in history mm. who are doing these, this like very personal human. It's That's that's really going to be the things that I that you're going to find this year that really resonate with me are the ones that aren't contingent on where they take place like the pair Brokeback Mountain and Death of Dick Long could take place on the fucking moon it doesn't yeah. matter <laughs> yeah because that's not what the movies are about that show definitely took place on the moon <laughs> some of the stuff that you said on that show if you haven't heard it go back and listen to it it's so funny just like dancing around what the Death of Dick Long is even about it seems like an impossible <laughs> movie to make doesn't it yeah it's just like how do you fucking make that movie and as I mix that show, I'm just like, can we air any of this? This is just, it's like sort of heinous in a way, but at the heart of it, not at all. And also it's just a, it's a fucking discussion about art. You know, you can't be afraid of it. Yeah. But yeah, if there was ever a movie on the show that I was almost afraid to talk about, that's got to be one of them. Although, man, we had a couple of those this year. I was just going to say that I feel like I don't know if it was just because I had worn you down or because you were very busy this year, but I will definitely 
I'm going to take some credit for sneaking a whole lot more under your radar than I've ever been able to do in the past uh-huh. or getting you to getting you to bite some of the most like I mean so for listeners of double feature we just did Dune and Spice World that was our year end I don't know how that happened still but 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 so but the thing that's crazy about that is that I would argue that there are like 3 to 4 other year end <laughs> quality pairs uh-huh. That only Dune and Spice World would have trumped. Like what? Like Once Upon a Time in America and Pee Wee's Big Holiday. Yes. <laughs> or Brokeback Mountain and Death of Dick Long. Uh-huh. I mean, that's you shouldn't have let me do that. Um, we did Silent Hill and Super Mario Brothers, and yeah, that, that was that your was, fucking pick. Yeah, it was. <laughs> well, it's that Morton Jankel cut, you know, I was curious. You know, that was one of mine for most unexpected was uh super mario brothers i didn't realize like what a document in new york that was yeah and it's interesting having lived in new york now for a couple of years that you know i'm i'm starting to see where this idea that like for 20 years half of all movies were made in new york and so we just have plenty of new york cinema like now i have the a little bit of a finer eye for it and I can sort of yeah. see like what's authentic and what, you know what a big part of it is, is just like Midtown is a tiny part of New York, but is a big part of New York film. Right. And then that one establishing shot of the financial district, you know. And so <laughs> New York isn't just those two tiny neighborhoods. Those are both on the Isle of Manhattan. And there are five fucking boroughs in New York. And so it's a huge place. And to see, especially the Brooklyn movies, because I live in Brooklyn, to see stuff that, you know, even something like Super Mario Brothers, the time and the place and how different it looks from New York now. So the time capsule element of it really fucking hit me. And then Silent Hill, it was like, man, both of these movies Mm -hmm. just one-two punch of unexpected stuff because Silent Hill, I didn't realize... You know, I thought I was really going to have to uh, like knock myself over defending that movie, like more so than I really felt in my heart, you know, like that I would have to come on and kind of like hold, prop it up a little bit. Yeah. And then we watched it and I'm, I'm just thinking, I don't care if anybody uh, doesn't like this movie. There are so many special, cool things in this that it just like justifies itself. Your Silent Hill is my Spice World. That's the same thing. Like I thought there's no way in hell I'm going to watch this and be able to do an actual earnest show about celebrating this movie. But there it is. I will, speaking of celebrating, so we did the journey. We do journeys. This year's journey was some of our best work. Uh, Maybe we'll talk about it. Maybe you should have just fucking played along. We can talk about it right now, Michael. Okay, I had this other thing to say, but let's let's park it. Um, so we did this journey uh, where we did um, exploitation and French extreme which which became it wasn't funny at the time when we were programming this Mm -hmm. but it became funny because me programming the exploitation you programming the French extreme I had like a 70 year gamut to choose from (laughs) And you had like a three-year spread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I will say, I don't think either of us had an easier time. No, it was tough. Well, for me, especially because the movies are, you know, they're uh, 
if you count as many of them as you possibly can, there's like 20 of them. So, and we covered half of them. So it's kind of like, well, which five am I going to intentionally omit so that I can do the others? That was a similar problem that I had with with exploitation, though, because yeah. I discovered exploitation along with you to a certain degree mm. through, you know, Grindhouse came out, and then you kind of go down that rabbit hole. And as we're discovering, we're throwing, I mean, we are putting the benchmark exploitation movies all over the previous years of the show, patreon.com forward slash double feature for that back catalog. So much like you, I have to pick, I'm, I'm trying to pick five banner level exploitation movies that we haven't covered in fucking 13 years. Yeah. And it's not just 13 years and halfway through we got into exploitation. Double feature came from us learning about exploitation because mm-hmm. double feature was born from the same headspace as grindhouse when it came out so we had exploitation fortunately the first year actually no the first year we ended up doing it because that was like the whole game yeah so that was it was it was actually sort of shocking when you look at the majority of the movies we ended up doing obviously like daughter of the sun is basically like a non-existent fucking movie that we managed to <laughs> squeeze out. Uh-huh. But I mean, if you think about like Black Yellow Wild Angels, Marijuana, and uh, Mondo Kane, like those are movies that we just somehow didn't do, but like definitely should have already done. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely like tough programming, but I feel like I, it, the journeys for me, I don't know about you, but the journeys for me are actually about my own personal learning. It's great that like we have an outlet to have these conversations, but like I want to get something out of them. So I do want to publicly thank you for actually teaching me something about the French extreme movement. Cause I like <laughs> flat out 52 weeks ago did not know what I know now. Oh yeah. Well, that's good. I'm glad something came out of that. Yeah. I've, I'm really proud of that journey. I think that's the best journey we've ever done. I think it's very robust that we both like just kind of like split the thing in half and went and did, you know, did our research and came back with it. I got to say basically everything I wanted to say about those French extreme movies on those shows. So I don't have a lot that I wanted to hit on the year end, but I did want to ask you because you said at one point that 29 Palms was your favorite of that run. And I was curious if now looking back on all of them, now that we finished, if that's still the case or if you had a different one you would pick out. No, I'm going to double down on 29 Palms. Definitely still my favorite one. That's amazing. That You know why that shocked me so much is because I just feel like it's, it is um, the movie that that kind of gives this grouping of films its name. But... Uh, you know, as we talked about on that show, but I don't feel like it's one of the more beloved movies. Yeah. Although I would say that a lot of these movies are really like people just, you know, they do exactly what they show up to do. They antagonize people. I have had a whole lot of French extreme in my life in the last couple of years, because that's another thing that's a little different about like the repertory stuff on the East coast versus the West coast is uh, meaner. 
Well, you know, IFC is responsible for a lot of this, but it's right. not just, it's like Lincoln Center. It's a couple of places. But man, IFC, I just, uh, I, I got a, uh, like a, a ticket bundle deal to see like five <laughs> Gaspar Noe movies or something. It's just like, uh-huh. why, uh-huh. who, who thought this was a good idea? Like, yeah. it should be illegal in America to buy five Gaspar Noe tickets like in one. You That's know, true. Yeah, in it, going it, to the it should be like when you time. buy a case of Nyquil. They're like, right. they're like mm, <laughs> right, right. There's something wrong. With, although, I mean, what are they going to do? Stop you from buying a gun? <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, uh, so I'll, I'll get my ghost Noe. Build my ghost Noe at home. What I was, what I was going to say with my VPN and my French iTunes. <laughs> what I was gonna say before we went on this journey of the journey. Is uh, that I don't think I, I mean I was probably wrong about most of what I said, but there's one thing that I know I was wrong about, um, and it actually my mind changed on the show while we were recording. It may be audible if you go back and listen to this show, but um, Malignant was not a bad movie. Oh, interesting. I think you were bad pretty movie. covered in your. But I did feel like I was uh, I was kind of defending it a bit. That's how you tell. We yeah. keep our yeah. You know, we keep the negative stuff out of the show. But if somebody ends up yeah. pushing a little too hard to evangelize a movie, yeah. like suspiciously, yeah, that's usually what you could tell. So yeah, maybe maybe you had a little hate. I don't remember. Time has passed, and I'm like not super defensive about horror anymore or right now i guess mm-hmm. and uh if there's like 18 malignant movies like fine i'll go to them i'll see them um <laughs> that is actually one thing i will say about 2022 uh and maybe my words will change over the next few months but uh horror trash this year garbage horror do you have any other ones that you feel like you were wrong about i think we can kind of close out mm- or look back on some of those that I feel like I was wrong about. Yeah, I mean, not Anything in a positive way. Your, <laughs> so nothing else you changed your mind on? Not positively. There's one or two movies I've changed my mind and been like, actually, I don't like that. Yeah, but I will. I do want to ask you about El Topo again. <laughs> How do you feel about El Topo? Fucking seven months later. Well, I feel like uh, now I only have. Nine years and three months until I can watch another one of those movies. Okay. Because as you know, my rule is yeah. one Jodorowsky per decade. Yeah. I think that's... Right. So, you know, it gives... We, them- did, we, did, we did a David Lynch every 50 episodes, but it's every, every <laughs> 10 years we get a Jodorowsky. Yeah, well, you build your buffers differently. How do you think I have all that energy for the David Lynch movies? Yeah. I'm just now uh, going going back and rediscovering some of the weirder David Lynch this year. So some of those movies, I've I've also been like, oh, I love this, and I won't be ready to revisit it for five or six years. Um, I think I think I I'm more into the Love Witch now. I would watch the Love Witch if it came on. I don't think I would pay for it, but I would go see the Love Witch. Oh yeah, Alita Battle Angel. They announced a sequel, and I was less bothered than I thought I was going to be. So maybe I like <laughs> Alita Battle Angel a little bit better. Um, I mean, I think ultimately looking at this list, I will tell you that there are no movies that we did all year that I wouldn't watch a second time. You know, I have a couple as we were looking back at this that I kind of felt like I, similar to you, don't know if there's a lot of oh man, best pairs. Yeah, but there are a lot of movies that I want to earmark for 
future watching again because I was so... I'm waiting for you to say one of these. There's one movie that I've seen, I've been staring at on this list that I haven't mentioned because I'm waiting for you to gush about it. I'll give you a couple of mine and then you let me know what this is or yours if I hit this. So with Nolan I, I did not understand the power of that again. That's a funny one to be... I know, I know, but I just feel like I got a piece of culture from that that was very important. It's also super funny because that is a movie that we have artfully dodged for about 12 years. Yes. And then finally, that's what I mean. Like anytime there's these movies that like we should have done that ended up on this year of the show, I feel like there may be a version of us that wouldn't have gotten it until this yeah. year. Yeah. There's so many of them actually. We did the whole one car why thing. That was all new for me. This year, that was a really good discovery. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wiener Dog, I feel like, is one of the... I'll go back to that one for sure. Fucking Belladonna of Sadness was a movie that was just like... Mm-hmm. It was... Uh, in a way, it was kind of punishing. Yep. And super fucked up. And maybe even fucked up in some ways that like I don't know if I'm okay with. And my mind at the time was very... Like, oh, this movie's doing a lot of stuff. I want to talk about all these things on the show and really kind of pull that apart. But I have to understand my personal relationship with that fucked up piece of cinema a little bit better. And I think it's, we come across these movies once in a while that are like, in order to know how you feel about a movie where you may have some like internal conflict, you have to watch it again. But you don't know, like Belladonna of Sadness is not a movie I want to sign up and watch again so soon after seeing it. Right. Because it was uh, just kind of like a brutal experience. So one day I'll come back to it or maybe I'll just forget about it like the fucking vanishing and have the whole experience again. (laughs) Um, God, Manos. Yeah. (laughs) (sighs) Oh my God, Manos. Unbelievable. Was that the one? That was the one. Yeah. Talk to me about Manos. Yeah. So this movie is, I mean, it is, it is a movie that it's hard to believe it's. Let me explain to you one of the things that happened to me recently. Man, this is going to, I'm putting a lot on the table on this episode. I don't know what the fuck's going on. Do it. Do it. Um, So I was watching, I was watching the Pitch Perfect series and uh, (laughs) one of the. That was soul bearing in a way that I wasn't prepared for. (laughs) The main, no, it gets worse. The main kid the one with the like long dreadlock hair from monos uh-huh plays like plays like a takashi 69 rapper character in pitch perfect 2 and just like the amount i was shaken to my core to realize that that was an actor and not a young militant child that mm. they found and filmed just it goes back to like what is so powerful about this nothing about this movie feels like a movie I mean, yeah. it's a mo- it feels like a movie in a very real way. Yeah. But I mean, it is, it is, it's a, it's a film that takes place in such a way that it, it doesn't feel cinematic. It feels the things, the, the normal things like narrative structure and character arcs and, and what characters want and characters, you know, getting what they're looking for, you know, even like log lines, like we would have done. It's really just like not what this movie is. And it's mm-hmm. it, every beat of this movie is just the the heartbeat of the movie. It could all take place with nothing really happening and still sort of have the same gravitas. But like, even since watching this, 
in March to go back now and, and watch this movie or think about this movie. It just gets more important. It just gets more important as time goes on. Yeah. You know, to think about like militarizing young people because they're way easier to militarize, um, with minimal reward and, just like this remoteness and the idea of like being in a bunker and being removed from society in order to do awful things. It's just like crazy. It's just this crazy good thing. It's a crazy good movie. Crazy good bunker, maybe. Crazy good bunker. You know, Michael, I am so very glad that you mentioned the bunker because somebody sent us an email and uh, I, don't, I don't remember. Do you remember what year of the show we were in a bunker for? Was it like seven it or something? 20... Oh, what year of the show? Well, well it, was it was 2016, 2016 so minus eight, minus six, so it would have been year nine. Uh, yeah, so listeners will send stuff in if you've um, sent in a message and we haven't caught it on the Patreon or on the the uh, on Twitter or whatever. I saw today that I had a bunch of people who like went through some filter and I missed them. So if we are delinquent a message... I'm sorry, but thank you if you've sent a, a message through. Somebody sent a message recently lamenting about the state of the world and the many apocalypses you talked about. And they just said, uh, I hope you guys still have that bunker because you might need to drag that out again soon. So I want to talk to you a little bit about this before we go because I don't want to leave everybody hanging. And uh, it's probably best not to give too much of a rundown and just sort of let this thing be whatever it's going to be. But you and I have been talking a lot about changing the format of the fucking show. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of things that really bother me about the show in its current state, chiefly that I can't seem to get the show done. That is the, the top one. For the longest time, I have tried to cut back on the mixing, which is the thing that personally kills me. Um, you know, I've talked on the show so many fucking times about having depression. I like don't even want to, I don't even want to like talk about that as a factor of it. But whatever's going on in my life, it's just very fucking hard to do things. So mixing the show has been really tough. Getting the show out has been really tough scheduling time for both of us to sit down in different time zones has been really tough. And I want to do a version of this show that we could get out every week and not, uh, not have to worry that we can't afford to keep up with it or whatever this other, you know, any of these other myriad of problems. But the other thing that I wanted to address with the show is actually something we talked a lot about on this episode, which is like the prison of rules that we have built for ourselves mm -hmm. over the years that have, you know, it's like laws are only created. They are rarely uh, removed. That is also true for our show. And I feel like you especially, I have really shackled you on a lot of the crazier stuff. <laughs> and as we look back on this year, you know, I did have a lot more of a kind of, my approach to collaborating with you was a lot less like, let's come to mutual agreements and a lot more like, fuck it, I don't know, Michael wants to do this thing, let's just see what that is. And as a result of that, you know, we just spent the, the last episode talking about 
how it was different in some ways and how it was like good and surprising in other ways. And I'm I'm really interested in that. I feel like I want the show to provide this outlet of just um, unrestricted creativity and freedom. I think I've been looking for a format that just kind of allows us to talk about things whenever we want to talk about them, talk about whatever we want to talk about. I have batted down your Fast and the Furious marathon a countless number of times. <laughs> and I know at some point, as I've seen you do over the last decade and a half, for a while you're into some weird thing. But just the nature of time is like five years from now, are you still going to want to do a Fast and the Furious marathon by the time I've gotten around right. to it? Or will you be on some other ridiculous thing? So, you know, I want to like free us of some of this stuff. And uh, at the same time, I find myself also embracing a lot of this sort of, the stuff we did in the early days, this, um, I don't know, my fascination for apocalyptic end times Mm -hmm. and really that whole kind of aesthetic. So I think my pitch to you as a starter was something like Letters During Wartime. Mm Mm-hmm. And I wanted to try a format where we sort of spitball things back and forth to each other in smaller chunks kind of as they happen and keep the, um, keep the just kind of like tear down the curtain a little bit, I guess, is sort of try more things and go, what if this becomes part of the format? What if we do something like this? You know, give you the freedom to pull a random human off the street or that you see a movie with or whatever and have a conversation with them and and fucking wrap that up and chuck that on the show. I don't know, an odd piece of music, a lingering thought, an idea about a theme instead of a film, a movie we've already covered. A format of the show that intentionally embraces being lo-fi, and just kind of getting like the bigger ideas out there without the need to be weighted down by this kind of like long form setup and mixing and all of these factors that we've talked about. And then you said something that really got me excited, which was pirate radio. Right. <laughs> well, I feel like, you know, to go back to when we did the bunker, we had those sort of intros to, to mitigate the, the goings on outside the bunker here and there and I feel like there's this like logical place when you do smaller pieces of things where you just it's sort of like a broadcast out to whoever is listening right Mm -hmm. but you don't know who the audience is and the audience doesn't know what state you're in or even if you're still alive out there you know there's sort of like this this like it creates this like import to what you're saying while at the same time removes any pressure of importance. Yeah. So it's like vignettes, right? It's like little... I think also one of the things that I've never found a way to make it into the show is what I've spent most of my time doing since I moved here is going and talking to the people who made these films we cover and having like really bizarre kind of one-of-a-kind experiences. And some of that stuff is on tape. Some of it's documented. And there's just really no outlet for me to put it anywhere. 
And it's not really even, I wouldn't say it's like sit down interview kind of stuff, but like I have a recording of a weird song that Abel Ferrara played on his acoustic that you just reminded me of. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, maybe that just becomes an intro or something. You know what I mean? So like just these odd little pieces of things. Um, so yeah, something a little more pirate radio-y. My biggest thing is I want the show to continue. Obviously, people who listen want the show to continue, and we've always talked about even uh, even if we can't get a nickel together for the show, we will do some sort of tin can version of that. And I want to see what it looks like, man. I want to see. I want to see what the unedited, raw, fucking uncensored version of the show actually looks like, and to see if that's something we can continue to put out every week. So, I don't know. I think. I don't really need to explain much more. I think we just give some of this stuff a shot and see what it sounds like and yeah. see how people react to it. Either the next the next episode you download is going to be sort of a whole other format or Planet Terror and Death Proof. So <laughs> if if you, it says Planet Terror and Death Proof in your feed, uh, just you know get the tissues ready. <laughs> <laughs> One of the hosts may have died before the recording even even picks up. Listen, I want to thank Ben, Aaron, Pieter, Dara, Jeremy. I realize there's more of these names than I was prepared for. Here goes Alberto, Henrik, Charles, Kara Ross, Tom, Andrew, Sean, Brett, Dechelle Shapiro, Tony Gleed, Patrick Klein, The Abbot of Unreason, Heather, Corwin, and a totally different Charles, not Charles Crawford. I don't remember if I'm supposed to read some of these people's last names, but these are all the people who have been around this year. It sort of explains actually our our strange financial situation that we had this many different executive producers this year. Yeah. But there it is still. Thank you to everybody who contributed. It really is, you know, a reason to to keep the fucking show going. If you haven't join the Patreon. You can find all the well-assembled shows before we try whatever the fuck we're talking about now. You can find all those on the Patreon. And uh, I don't know if we can get enough money together. Maybe we leave this last year up too, just as, uh, you know, so we can wave goodbye to it as our ship sails over to whatever fucking unknown uh, uncharted waters. Um if there's server bandwidth for it. I don't know why I'm speculating on things everyone will know, but but me sitting here on today's episode of the show. If you if you can't find any other episodes of this damn show, go on the Patreon. That's where they are. All right. Is there anything else we should talk about before we get the fuck out of here? You know, I guess just watch more fucking film. All right. Goodbye. <laughs>